0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Chatting with Sherry is presented by the writers and illustrators of the future They have been providing a means for new and budding writers To have a chance for their creative efforts to be seen and acknowledged Welcome to Chatting with Sherry Today we're talking with author Therese Derwin This is a recorded broadcast So please don't call in Uh, Please enjoy (laughs) the show. Hi Sherry, thank you so much for having me on. Oh, I'm really excited to have you here. Um, I hope you enjoyed our little chat. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Um, First, let's let the audience get to know you a little bit. What kind of books do you like to read? What did you like to read as a kid?
0: Um, Well, that kind of changed over the years. It's an interesting question because when I was at school... It was all very basic. Peter and Jane, you know, walk up a hill, that kind of thing. And I got pretty bored. But as I discovered the library in our secondary school and I met teachers who were a little bit different, they would introduce me to lots of different books. I had one teacher give me The speeches of Martin Luther King, which was a bit unusual because I was 14 at the time. And then I was massively into TV and film. And my gateway into it was through second-hand bookshops and reading film and TV tie-ins, which I basically read all of the stuff at Next Generation level as a kid. And that was how I got into a lot of reading. So it was pretty much geeky to begin with.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, I was... I was it's funny because when you said that it was, I was thinking here it's called Dick and Jane but I guess that wouldn't be appropriate yeah. for children in Britain <laughs>
0: yeah yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. but uh, there goes Dick and Jane um, <laughs>
0: yeah I don't think so not in the UK <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but I, I, I I'm sort of the same about the tie-in I used to like the first uh, books I loved that were real books to read uh, were Ellery Queen, and the reason I wanted yes. to read them was there was a TV series called Ellery Queen with Jim Hutton that I just adored. So my parents <laughs> would buy me the books. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was. Uh, I mean, I used to basically ask for my pocket money. Uh, I don't know what you call it over there, allowance.
1: Allowance. Mhm.
0: And I would go and. I had to ask for a raise to go up to £2 so that I could actually afford a cake back at the bookshop. And I started off, I think one of the earliest ones I bought was the film novelisation by Craig Shaw Gardner, I think, of The Lost Boys, which was one of my sort of formative films as a youth. So I, I adored all of that stuff. And... The tie-ins, you could just keep those characters you love in your head for so many more hours than just watching the
1: film. I used to think of it as sort of like a, a, an an extension, because you get yes. so much more, like um, like from uh, the Star Trek um, tie-ins from when yes. I was a kid. They were like. You would get you you would know what Kirk, especially you know what Spock was thinking because Spock hardly told you what he was thinking, so it was kind yeah. of cool. So you got Spock's thoughts about what was going on in his head during this and and stuff. Even during the movies, they did that, and it was like especially the first movie when yeah. they did the it, it, when they were they seemed not to like each other, which confused me. Um, <laughs> um, they gave a lot more information and you you found out who um you know that the reason Kirk was so uh, pissed off uh was that he just broke up with his uh girlfriend and they were yeah. supposed to get married and there was a whole backstory to what was going on with Kirk and why he was so angry at the beginning of the movie. <laughs>
0: yeah I mean I still read now and there's so much more the writers can do with them once they've got a script or an idea in their
1: hands one of my favourites was um, because it was it was written by the same person who wrote the movie but it was I just loved the book version of Romancing the Stone oh my god me too I thought uh, it oh. was so brilliant because there was, yeah, you found out what Joan was thinking and what he—I can't remember what the man, Michael Douglas' character. Yeah. Oh, I
0: can never remember him. I love well,
1: Joan.
0: Yeah.
1: Joan Wilder. Joan Wilder. Oh my God, Joan Wilder. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Michael was. That was, I think. he, that was the closest to his dad that he ever got in the movie. Yes, I really think so. If you watch the movie, you see a lot of Kirk Douglas in his performance.
0: Oh God, yes, absolutely, and that
1: wonderful sheen. Yep, yep, and kind of gruff was Yeah, it was just—it was interesting because he, like you said, um, for a long time he tried—he tr- he played the sweet, sensitive guy because he wanted to stay as far away from his father's type of characterization as he could but when I saw that I went wow he can be sexy
0: <laughs> he really was I mean in Wall Street obviously he's not he's very good at being a baddie oh, yeah. But when you see him in Romance in the Woo oh, he was one of my early crushes along with Kurt Russell
1: oh yeah Kurt Russell
0: Speaking of which, I think they're making or talking about remaking, um, Escape from New Escape York. Escape
1: from New York. Island. I know, they're like remaking my entire childhood. It's ridiculous. It's everything. They're even doing Fantasy Island as a horror movie. I no. mean, I, I, I know it, it's not got great reviews. I understand. I or. don't want. It's just like I don't want. I could deal with Charlie's Angels as long as John Forsythe was Charlie. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to see the new Charlie's Angels. If, if he's, there's no cohesiveness in it, if there's nobody from the original film, I mean, fr- if, from the original series.
0: If you haven't got a new story to tell. Or make changes that make it resonate with today's society. I don't see the point in remaking it.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't. I mean, they're fine young actresses. I have nothing against them. I just. Why couldn't you do another show? A totally original show about three strong women? I mean, why exactly. do you have to do Charlie's Angels? Why can't. Yes. We've already had it. We had it as the original series. We had a pr- really good movie series with the three of them. Uh, yeah. Why do it again? And so soon.
0: I mean, yeah, it just seems to be two minutes later and the new version of another one, like Spider-Man. Yeah. How many iterations of that ever been? And
1: Batman. They keep...
0: Batman. They keep
1: oh. redoing it different, and, th- and I'm like, you know, the first movie was good, uh, the first movie was okay, the second movie was really good. Uh, you know. Th- the
0: you were Michael Payton girl. Yeah. Yeah, me too.
1: Yeah. And, but I, the, now it's, it keep doing it, They keep doing it, and doing it, and, do- and then doing different bad guys and stuff. And I'm like, I like comic books, but can't you guys come up with some, use some of the new comic books? (laughs) Why are you using the classics? Why don't you use some of the new stuff? Yeah, do
0: something different.
1: That's the part that bothers me, really, is that uh, the creativity, there's a lot of creativity to go in that, but the originality I mean, really, in major motion stuff from major movie studios, the only thing that's really original, and I'm not talking about independent films because they're all wonderful and, and original. Yes. But I'm talking about major movie studios that are doing their own films. The only thing that's original is animated films.
0: Oh, it's, God, that's fantastic, Max. Yeah. I really want to see Hollywood with the
1: unicorn. Yeah. I mean, and the Frozen series and and all these other things. They're really adorable and and original and really cool concepts and uh, great actors doing the voices. Why can't they do that for live action?
0: (laughs) I don't don't understand it myself. I mean, I'm actually, I've just done my first screenplay. Last term at uni. Mm -hmm. I'm off to a film festival this weekend, Starburst. International Film Festival and there's lots of indie filmmakers there and there seem to be a lot more original ideas and takes on stuff but you're right about the big houses they, you know, the big studios, it's just about churning out what they can which doesn't give the best material necessarily for the actors, the directors the crew
1: The thing is, is that The old movie studios had many problems, absolutely, they did, but those guys loved movies. They loved creativity. They had guts. They put their money in creating incredible comedy, drama, musical, whatever it was. They were all wonderful. They did yes. it because they were passionate about it. They weren't tr- They were as interested in money as they are today, but it was, like, balanced with really good product. You know, and that's what's missing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel sorry for a lot of the indies, and I know quite a few screenwriters in the UK at the moment, and it's just hard getting somebody to look at a script and take a risk on it. And I think Netflix is doing some interesting things because they're taking a few gambles on the TV shows.
1: Netflix and HBO. Those are the markets.
0: Yeah, I like HBO. Yeah.
1: They they uh, HBO has from the beginning has always taken risks on stuff.
0: Yeah, we used to call it the hot bodies only (laughs) channel.
1: Yeah, they did have a lot of soft porn. They did. Yeah, I don't remember. So you
0: can't argue with them.
1: But hey, but that paid for the original stuff that they put on later.
0: Yes.
1: So, you know, as, as kind of icky that part was, and it was, I actually saw my first soft porn on HBO.
0: <laughs> I
1: was like... I was and, and I was in college and I was at my parents' house and they had just gotten HBO and I don't even remember the name of the movie because it was really bad and yeah. and I I I was like watching it and I was sitting with it was it was really funny because it was my mom my dad my brother yeah. and I and, yeah. and it was really we were just watching it because we were curious because it, it was like. And it was the beginning of HBO, so that would have been like 90s. Yeah. And and um, my brother was I was in university, he was in his first year of uh, community college, and yeah. we and I came home from work and I was like, "What are you guys doing?" And dad goes, "You won't believe what they have on this new uh." pay per view thing and I said oh and he put it on and I, oh my god that's pornography because it's soft porn yeah <laughs> We've it, it's soft porn
0: <laughs> it's really not real thing I was watching True Blood and kind of like in the first episode I'm like oh that's a bit naughty and I'm watching it with my dad he's 85 She's sitting next to me at the moment and it's like Really, really embarrassing, but I like, thought oh, I ignore them, you
1: know. But the it's funny thing is, compared to the movies that were coming out, it wasn't a big deal.
0: I know it was just a shock to on the TV.
1: Yeah, I it think. was. It was really that because that was one of the things I was saying to uh, my parents when we were watching it. I'm like, I can't remember. It was one movie that just had just last. Pango in Paris, I think. I, don't, I can't. Yes. Or something like yes. that. It was one of those really. And this was with major movie stars, pornographic movies, and it was much more pornographic than that. Um, uh, the feature film was much more pornographic than the soft porn. And I was like, uh, this is crap. The writing's terrible. The acting's terrible and you never get to see the guy's body it's all a woman it's really boring to me and I went upstairs and did homework I think I was there for about 20 minutes <laughs> I don't
0: blame you so like, I mean I, I don't want to talk about Mr. Grey as it were the only Mr. Grey I know is from Steve Gingham <laughs> but the ones here it, like, I think I watched 40 minutes of the first 50 shades of whatever and i was like oh my god this is awful
1: i haven't actually seen it i had no interest
0: i'm terribly it's i sit through a film and if the writing is bad or the directing is bad i can't cope with
1: it and it's and i and i never blame the actors because they can no, only can. do what's written in the script or whatever the production is you know it, 'Cause I and they're the face of the movie. It's really not fair to put it all on them, and that's what a lot of the critics do. Even now, I was reading some critiques of some of some films, and I was like, "This is not fair. You're putting it all on the actor. It's not right."
0: Yeah. It really is a shame. I mean, um. The
1: guy Dorman or something like Oh, that. he's such a sweetheart. Jamie Dorman. Is. He's a nice guy. And he's a good actor. I've seen him in other stuff. It's just really terrible that they're blaming it's, him.
0: It, if you've got bad material, there's not a lot you can do with it. Mm-hmm. Only ham it up a
1: bit. But he's gotten opportunities from this that he may not have gotten if he didn't play you know, this that, character.
0: That's a very interesting point. Sometimes you've got to go with something off a conveyor belt if you want a chance at getting that next gig.
1: Yeah. I mean, Paul Newman did a movie. I'm trying to remember which movie it is. He took an ad out in the Daily Variety saying that he was really sorry that he was in this horrible film. (laughs) And please don't not hire him for the next movie because he was in this piece of, you know what? Yeah.
0: (laughs) I, blame, blame
1: I can't remember what movie it was it was a big it was like one of those um, it was one of the biblical ones oh
0: god
1: I think it was okay. I, was it The Robe something oh which was not that best biblical movie they ever made no no there's,
0: there's a lot of there's some bad and some good out there with the biblical movies of course it's coming up to Easter and in the UK that means every channel you're saying Jesus Nazareth and Jesus of Nazareth and the Ten Commandments which I like to be honest I'm a fan of that one.
1: well Ten Commandments is beautifully made are you
0: yeah, talking about the, you're talking
1: about the original with Charles Heston and yeah that's the one I'm on about yeah,
0: yeah. great film dad loves all of that yeah we try to mix it up with horror for me, enough to do research and to get my fix. He indulges me the romance when I'm writing romance, <laughs> and then I'll find some classics for him. We watched McClintock the other day.
1: I love old movies. I I am such an old movie fan. Give me a Cary Grant movie and I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> Any character. It's well driving,
0: think, is one of my favourites.
1: Bringing a baby. Oh. Oh. He's so fine. adorable in that. I just went oh. gay all of a sudden.
0: The one on the ship with all the school teachers and they're stranded on the island. Mr. God, I can't remember the title, but...
1: He has to look after the French schoolteacher. Oh, Father look. Goose! It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Father that's Goose. That's a great God. movie. Exactly. See Cary Grant as you've never seen him before. Scruffy He he loved that. He loved that movie.
0: Yeah.
1: Did you know he produced it?
0: No, I
1: didn't. Yeah, Grantley, the watch, next time you watch it, look for Grantley Productions. That was his production will, company. Look at that. that one, and I actually really love his last movie, Walk Don't Run, even though he wasn't the romantic character in it. He's just yeah. so funny. <laughs> he was a very funny actor.
0: He really
1: was. And he was beautiful. He aged great. I, there's not many people who age as beautifully as Cary Grant aged.
0: No, no. I think Paul Newman aged well. I was a real stupid Queen
1: fan. Well, he didn't age.
0: No, he no,
1: died he
0: died young. Oh, I thought he was—he was quite good. Oh,
1: I always I loved a, him. Fan. I love, I love, oh, oh, I love so many. Robert Wagner, I still like him.
0: Yeah.
1: And um. Oh, uh, Pierce Bronson. Oh. Yes. He's beautiful.
0: He's one of my favorite Bonds.
1: I I actually... I love him as Bond, but I loved him in Remington Steel. I
0: love that. Yes. Love Remington Steel.
1: That was... I love that series. That was... I, Because it was... It was one of the first shows that they weren't married and they were complete equals.
0: Yes. And it was also kind of showing... Look, this is what women have to put up with in the outed to to, world.
1: Yeah, in order to make it in the profession that they wanted yeah, to do.
0: Fake male identity.
1: Yeah, I mean, she created a whole character. Yeah. She gave him an apartment. <laughs> she gave him... She, he had an... I mean, it was all fake. It's the office, the oh, apartment. No. That was all no. her imagination. He redecorated. Remington when he came
0: <laughs> I love speaking about something I love Moonlighting that was one of my favorite ones oh yeah with Bruce Willis before well possibly when he had hair
1: he did have hair he <laughs> had a full head
0: yes yeah, Sybil Shepard was one of my icons oh
1: Sybil was wonderful in that series I also liked yeah. her in Sybil yeah she was really cool yeah, but, but um
0: Alicia Wick was her daughter or am I going completely not Who? Alicia
1: Wick? Yeah, yeah, that was the younger daughter. Yeah. yeah. And I oh, what's her name? Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's daughter was her older daughter. Ooh. Um I know, De- Was know Deborah Pfeiffer? I Something like
0: that. I don't remember but Dee Pfeiffer was the sixth Now she was in a classic horror film I look bam. With Grace Jones and Bob Russler. That that's a cracking little film.
1: Mm. And uh, oh. yeah, I
0: like Dee Dee but I don't remember the name of Michelle's daughter.
1: Yeah, that's uh no, uh, was it Beefy or something? Fifi Pfeiffer. Yeah, that is, yeah. Maybe it was Fifi Pfeiffer. I think it was something like that. She was adorable. I loved her in yeah. that show. She was really a good... She. I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't seen her in anything else. I mean, Alicia went on to do a lot of other stuff, but I, I, I don't remember her doing anything else after Sybil. But she was really good in Sybil. It was a shame that she yeah. didn't go on with other stuff. But, um... But I love that. I love I love good T V shows. I love I, I still watch uh, Xena, I still watch Relic Hunter, yeah. I still watch Star Trek, a classic Star Trek and Star Trek Next Generation. On oh, um, the catch Picard. Uh, oh, I haven't I haven't seen it because I don't have the the prime thing, you know, the yeah. the streaming service. This time they didn't even, you know, when they showed Discovery, at least they showed the first episode on regular CBS. But when yeah. uh, when they did Picard, it's all on there. There is nothing. There, it, it's not on um, regular uh, CBS. So, I haven't seen it. And I have a friend who's uh, he he might direct some at least I could uh, see Discovery by getting the DVD so I could see the stuff that he's directing. But I don't know if I'm ever going to see Picard unless they get that on DVD because...
0: I'll tell you what, I'll have a little conversation with you offline about how to watch shows, and I'm saying no else. <laughs> <laughs> they're all and means. But, I mean, I like to speak of TV, but most people who know me know I'm obsessed by Supernatural. Oh, I met Jared Padalecki a couple of years ago, and it was he was amazing such a nice guy it was a, you know it was absolutely lovely and that's coming to an end now
1: and my, i feel... my new show is um, I have a lot of shows but uh i I love um two shows that are on uh neither of them are American.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: One is Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. Yes. And the other one is My Life is Murder. Oh no, I don't know that one. Oh, it's with Lucy Lawless in the lead. Oh, that sounds good. It was it's really good. It's actually the most like Lucy I've ever seen her be. Rayla really? Yeah, it's a little bit rougher and more... Sarc- not as sweet as the real Lucy, but it's... I mean, because she's the character. But, yeah, it's it's really... Oh, it, it's really good. I mean, people put her to a really high standard because she's done some really good stuff, you know, like Bowser yep. Galactica and stuff like that. But, you know, it's a murder mystery. Stop comparing it to Bowser Galactica.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that will be from each, you know, each genre, each program, each book each piece of entertainment, they're all kind of you can't put them on a level if they're
1: completely different genres. Exactly. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, I watched, I, and I watched all, and it's renewed, so I'm really happy that I get to see it. Um, oh, but it's, uh, yeah, there's ten episodes that is it's on Acorn, if you got um, Acorn, the streaming service. Um, I've,
0: I've got so many it's, it's insane how many kind of mediums and streaming devices and stuff that I pay for now isn't it because, sad?
1: because we also pay for cable <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly but I think Netflix is one of my favourite and Amazon Prime is starting to up their game Carnival Road was very good
1: oh, Amazon Prime has Miss Fisher so you could watch that oh, on there if you if you, if, if you haven't seen it. Um, and the new movie that just came out, Miss Fisher and the Crypt of Tears, is also on Amazon. Oh, so so you've that. got to see that.
0: Really, what I love, I remember when I did my postgrad, I did an assignment on Egyptology and Napoleon and all of that, and it's oh just
1: that whole i wanted to be indiana jones when i was indiana. yeah me too well i was i studied i studied archaeology and i studied archaeology not because of indiana jones but because of my love of history but i remember my first class in archaeology um at uh the university and uh, and my teacher came in and she goes i don't wear a fedora i don't have a whip uh <laughs> he, she goes and I don't uh, like take you guys out on my expeditions and I it's it's it, it funny it was almost part of it was almost like his thing it's all research and library and stuff yes, like yes. that that he says but she goes she, I knew she because I was a research assistant my second year for her and I and I I said to her you are Indiana Jones you just won't admit it <laughs>
0: Yeah, that is so cool. Yeah. I'd like to do archaeology. But when it came down to it, it was English that, you know, I went for in the end. Not I'm glad I
1: did. But the funny thing is, is that there's, because I was um, a huge history buff, it was a natural progression for me to want to find out as much about archaeology as I can, the study of ancient yeah. man. So it was. It all, in fact, one of the novels I'm working on is an ar- uh, about an archaeologist, um, based a lot about uh, not only on my old professor, but a bunch of stuff that happened to me when I was in archaeology, and a good mystery. Um, <laughs> but that's a, that's a while away because I'm still working on. It. <laughs> I yeah, got, yeah, no, do you ever get caught that you like you write, you write yourself in a little hole that you have to dig yourself out of yeah yeah, that's yeah. where I am right now
0: yeah mine has been 26 years and going deep <laughs> but no I'm, I've just had so many other things to get done and sometimes you get stuck then all of a sudden somebody will say something and click you'll have the feet or
1: the idea. Exactly. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: because that's like the book that um is going I'm working on that's coming out. Um that started as a childhood uh thing that happened in my childhood that I made into um expanded and made into science fiction. But it t- it's 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 taken years. I mean, I started yeah. when my father was still with us, so it had to yeah. be around 2005 or 2006 and I'm just getting published now
0: (laughs) Uh, Do you want to tell me about that while I've got you here or while you've got me here? I'd like to
1: hear a little bit about that Well it is about it's a lot about me in it so God forgive me it's about a young girl who is 9 years old and she's from California, and she moved to Ohio, and she had never... She uh, she traveled with her parents, so it wasn't like she'd never been outside of California before, but she'd never lived outside of California before. So it yeah. was incredible culture shock, and they were treating her like she was from another planet. Yeah. And they used a line that was t- said to me... Um, when she uh first met some of the kids they said, Well, you're not blonde haired and tanned. You can't be from California. Oh um, Which yeah. I wasn't. I was pale I still am pale and freckled and I have dark black hair. <laughs> well now yeah. it's got grey in it. Um but then it was dark black hair. <laughs> so uh I mean I was so just the horrible thing about being a new kid, you're picked on a lot. Oh
0: yeah.
1: So yeah. she, um, she was trying to avoid the other kids, and so she went through the creek in order to get home. It's a different route than the normal yep. going down the street. And so she went down uh, through the creek, and she, her mother, she had, she and her brother had explored the creek, and there was bridge to uh, go over to go to the other side and yeah. because even though the creek was very low she didn't want to get wet and, so she, and her, she and her brother climbed over and her mother had told her not to do it not because uh, uh, they were worried about the water because it was still summer, high to summer uh, but because they were worried she, a brick would loosen and she would fall and hurt herself Well, lo and behold, she goes there and the brick loosens and she falls down and she's knocked out just for a minute and she wakes up and she sees what looks like an angel over her. Like a bright, sparkling-looking girl who looked like about the same age as her and she thought she was dead, (laughs) which she wasn't. And it turned out that she was one of the children of the light. The name of the book is Sandy and the Children of the Light. Right? And Ooh. she's an they they live underground. And they they she saw her from their opening that's on the other side of the bridge and she came out to help her. And that's the beginning of the story. <laughs>
0: that sounds really good fun. That really does. I like a good bit of thought or that to say that you know, I really get into those for the worlds and all of
1: that. Yeah, it's it's um it's a lot of fun. I um when I my friend who does my illustrations, she does all, she's done all my illustrations and um I was very exacting Uh, about where the Children of the Light lived and what it looked like and all this stuff and she sent me like different is this okay? is this okay? I mean she's never sent me so many versions because and I'm not an artist so mine is all like like O's with little X's and like little markings and writings around it (laughs) this (laughs) is it (laughs) yeah yeah I feel sorry for the
0: cover artists really you know they've got to transform your
1: ideas especially when it's so specific yes and it's and it's do you get stuff in dreams because i get ideas in my dreams
0: oh but all the time it's so what weird happened? I've happened in dreams.
1: mine are very vivid yeah even i mean um i had once uh told one of my friends who was another writer that um I a lot of my best short stories that people love the most were from dreams. And yes. I said they were very vivid and I was in I was in I just graduate no, I was still in college. And he says, Well when you grow older that will that will weaken that's what my mom told me. And when I came home I told my dad and he said, No why should your dreams weaken? Because you're older. That means you're losing your imagination. I don't see you ever losing your imagination.
0: Oh, <laughs> I used to think people who do.
1: Because if you start losing your imagination and you start losing your dreams, what is there?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Especially in the world today. You need it. You do. Definitely. Y- you know? Um... So I want to be able to chat about your book what's the name of the book?
0: right um, oh god the latest one I've got out is a short collection and it's called Hearts and Bones and it's out by Domain Publishing in the UK it's currently e-book but it will have a paperback out in the next month or so and it's two kind of Link stories in respect to theme one is a dog in the middle of a post-apocalyptic setting kind of my answer to Harlan Ellison's Boy and a Dog but more like a girl and a dog and the other one is we've got, there's a great deal of folk horror in the UK and the one that I did it's um, my version of partridge in a pear tree from the Christmas poem and it's basically a cider factory where things go a little bit wrong uh, a guy who does some very horrible things to bring the harvest back so it's kind of about rebirth and death nice and cheerful
1: <laughs> rebirth and death that's yeah. that's happy um, yeah,
0: that's just the latest one but I've got a a novella that I should have finished by the end of the summer. That's for Crystal Lake. That's a cheerful end-of-the-world
1: post-apocalyptic sexually transmitted disease story. Oh, yeah, and that sounds really for Christmas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I I try to keep a little bit of fun in the books, but there's a lot of material out there at the minute in the world we're living in to
1: help us write some really dark stuff yeah um, we have mutual friend uh, Lee Murray and we were talking about how all the different things that are happening in the world is sort of lending to horror science fiction mysteries because there's so much happening that's like it's like the comedians have all this great material too because everything's happening you know exactly it's
0: all out there at the minute I love Lee and her stuff. She's been a really good help to me with my writing, actually.
1: Yes, she's, and, uh, she's a very supportive lady.
0: Very, very much so. And you have to be if you're a woman in an industry where people have expected you to use pseudonyms or initials for the first hundred years. Oh, yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, we're exactly. coming out of the
0: proverbial closet.
1: I know. Um, actually, um. At a science fiction convention, um, I had the honor of sitting next to Dorothy Fontana. Oh, cool. She's such a nice lady, so nice. And I said, we both were there early, and it's like, you know, it's like kismet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I
0: love that.
1: Uh, empty incredible. room. Nobody there, just the two. We were both on a panel together, and it was an empty room, yeah. and just the two of us. And I said, um, I just want to let you know, first of all, that I so respect you, and I have a thousand questions that I don't know if the guests will, you know, the people in the convention will ask, can I ask you a few questions, and she was so nice to me, because, I mean, she was such an architect of Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, DC Fontana. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, God rest her, it wasn't long ago
1: that she just passed, she passed recently. Away, I yeah, she was such a nice lady. I was so shocked. But at least I met her. I sat next to her, I well, talked that to her. something,
0: I mean, to have met her, that's a, that's a really cool thing.
1: Yeah, she was uh, really, really nice. But it is weird, you know, you think about a lot of the architects of science fiction were women with male pen names.
0: Oh God, absolutely. You only have to look at James t- t- Tree, Yeah. And um, you know, it it's all there. A lot of them faced that. That's
1: it's why their women characters were so strong.
0: <laughs> yeah, you had to make up the fact that you you know, you had to face trying not to be erased by the industry.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting, but I don't know. It's it's very. I was doing i um, I'm doing a series of um, articles on si- women in silent film because women were so much more than just actors. Yeah. In silent film, I mean, today we have actors and writers, but then they did everything. They did stunts. They did. They directed. They produced. They. They did the camera work. They everything you can think of that is part of film women were as equally involved in the silent films as men
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, I mean you
0: probably know about the recent book I think it came out last year obviously later than the silent films but the lady who basically created Creed from Black Lagoon*, mm-hmm. written out of history mm-hmm. you know, and they worked so hard. Heddy Lamar, only really Oh,
1: and that like only came that. out, like, when her, uh, I think it was her son or somebody was talking, brought out the materials that she had done. That, that, yeah. that the phone, we wouldn't have the cell phone, we wouldn't have the technology at all if it wasn't for Heddy. Exactly. Yeah. It's
0: amazing,
1: really. It's yeah, just amazing. Um, we don't have a lot of time. How can we yeah. get your book?
0: Right, at the moment it's on the Zon, or Amazon. Um, That is the easiest way to get it. You can follow me on Twitter at at Barbarella Femme. You can get where I got that name from. Yeah. Also got a website, if you just look for Teresa Derwin. Teresa with a H. I mean, I'm all over social media, to be honest. In fact, I'm I'm always tweeting bad memes and stuff. But I, I've got to build an Amazon page. It's one of those must-do things that I've not got around to yet. But you just put my name in the search engine or domain publishing or short, sharp shocks. It's one of them. There were 45 books released, all of them around 10,000 words of short, nice little either horror science fiction or mystery really
1: good little series um, how can uh, we get in touch with you do you have social media
0: I do I've got the Instagram I'm a Teresa Derwin author it's with a H my name my email I don't mind giving that out at all it's Teresa Derwin at yahoo.co.uk I'm on Twitter at Barbara LFM I'm on Facebook Oh uh, God! I mean, really, all you got to do is put my name in Google, and I welcome anybody that wants to chat about books or film or horror or romance or the industry or anything. Just feel free to drop me a line.
1: Cool. And um, are you going to any conventions or do you have any author signings or anything like that?
0: Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm very, very excited because the Horror Writers Association Convention, StokerCon, comes to the UK this year, and it's been 10 years since it's done that. It's held in Scarborough. I'm doing a book launch there and a book auction to help me raise funds to get to Texas to attend KillerCon in Austin in August to meet some of the Splatter Company there. And at StokeCon, the one in April, I'll also be giving a presentation on cult based horror and how current politics and the world that we live in has influenced this type of horror emerging in the last 10 years. And that's part of the Anne at Bradley Conference. So I'll be looking forward to that. That's the second week of Easter. Other than that, I'm actually going to a Supernatural convention in October and Misha Collins will be there from very excited cool. that's not a work, though
1: that's just a that's for
0: like minded <laughs> fans Gail Martin is a big supernatural fan so I'll be catching up with her I hope she makes it
1: yeah. cool um, we have come to the end I want to thank you so much for coming on this show I do hope you've enjoyed it
0: oh it's been absolutely
1: lovely thank you ever so much Thank you, and thank you for chatting with Sherry. Uh, this is a production net. This show was uh, recorded before the coronavirus hit the world, so um, I don't know what convention she mentioned that may not be happening, and um, so I just wanted to let you know that. Uh, thank you for listening, and thank you for chatting with Sherry. Thank <laughs> you.